0: Welcome back as we close out the week um, this Thursday with the moving into the latter part, the last words here of 2 Timothy in the fourth chapter. Um, interesting, I think, as we pick up in the 10th verse, that Paul always does some version of this. There's just as we would do when we write a letter, there would be, you know, tell so-and-so, hey, and oh, yeah, sorry to hear about that, or are you guys, don't forget this. And there would be that kind of personal correspondence, and that's true here, and it's true in most of Paul's letters. However, this is kind of expanded. There's a significant list of names here, and they really span a, a range of Paul's experience, both in his personal relationships and in his ministry. And so um, th- there's a lot of th- there's a lot here I think that speaks directly to Paul's relationships. so let, let me read a few verses and then we'll circle back and talk about them. Do your best to come to me soon. for Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crestins has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to my ministry. I've sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in uh, Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me a great harm. The Lord will pay him back for his deeds. You also must be aware of him, for he strongly opposed our message. We can stop there, Michael. But So, it, very interesting. We have this, hey, Timothy, I'd love to see you. Just as we finish a section in which Paul is kind of talking about his, his death, his impending end of life, we now switch gears to kind of this talk about the state of his Ministry, not really his organization, but his work. Do your best to come to me. And then he begins to kind of list people who have been helpful to him and people that have hurt him or deserted him. Demas goes on that side. Um, Creston's is it's not clear, it says he's gone to Galatia. It doesn't, it's not clear that that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's likely that the people reading this letter. Would know if there are if there's a, a prior part of the story if that's a positive or negative. Um, some of these names we have seen before in other letters. Many of them are new and and leave us to guess um, at what the state of the relationship is. Um, and then we get into some nitty gritty. Michael, you don't know, bring the cloak I left and the books uh, and above all my parchments. And that may seem strange for a man. In, in prison, but as Paul thinks about the opportunity for Timothy to visit him, he thinks about those things that would give him comfort, those things he would love to have with him. Um, you know, not unusual, but a little bit, um, we don't see a lot of this as Paul closes letters. There there are usually some goodbyes and some thoughts, maybe a warning. But this is a this is a, I think, um a broader example of that than we usually get.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm not going to have a lot to add. Maybe just a few things to sort of add in, fill in the cracks maybe. Note that some of these individuals that we have listed here come from places or we find in other places like Colossians, uh, Titus, Philemon. So like you said, Clint, it, it is sprinkled throughout the New Testament. Um, There's a case you read in verse 14 about this individual Alexander. There's another Alexander mentioned in Acts as someone who stood up and preached in Ephesus, though it's unclear if we're talking about the same Alexander or if that's someone else. Uh, Maybe a thing that you could say surveying this section, besides, I think, what is the the major thing to say is, by the way, this is written by a real person who wants his coat back. Let's not forget that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to sort of look at this text and you want to see the connective meanings, just remember that Paul in his life of faith was betrayed. He was betrayed by those who ideologically believe something different than what Paul did. He was betrayed, as he says here, uh, he believes that Demas is in love with the present world, so he deserted Paul. Um, There's other cases where, you know, even with uh, Mark or John Mark, you have this sense that maybe there's some youthfulness in the desertion. Um, Paul has experienced a lot of things. In addition to, Paul remains, uh, even at the very end of his life, with a very strong, knit Christian social network, a very strong community of people who are supporting him, and he is in the midst of his own defense. Uh, We see that in verse 16. It's clear that Paul is standing at one of the transition moments of his personal life. He's not just writing, uh, offering counsel to a younger pastor in the midst of that pastor's journey. Paul is himself standing in some ways at a crossroads of his own personal life, and that is It adds a kind of seasoning, a kind of uh, meaning, I think, to this text, Clint. It makes some of the things that we've heard Paul say before in other letters, uh, it's not substantially different theologically. it, It means, I think, what Paul meant in those other letters. But maybe it does land differently when we know that he writes this at a moment in which he knows that there's not a lot of his race to run left.
0: Yeah, we mentioned early on when we started the first letter to Timothy that um, there is some question about, but you know, one of the things scholars argue are these genuine Pauline letters. They seem to maybe come later. I, I think passages like this are some of the strongest evidence that those who support the idea that Paul really wrote these would point to because these are this is very personal. It's very reflective. I, I mean. If you're going to try to to go all the way down to my favorite parchments, would be an odd detail to add if it was somehow symbolic or if it didn't. If you know, it just this has a very much a ring of personal authenticity to it. Having said that, it, there's also a certain reflectiveness in it. So, um, if we connect today's passage and yesterday's passage, I think there's an interesting bridge there, Michael. Uh, uh, an older, in his context, an older man who has served the church, um, who has already all but said he's looking at the end of his life, he's considering the, f- the end of his race, the finishing of his journey, and he reflects in that that there have been those who have stayed with him, that there have been those who supported him, that there have been those who opposed him those who have done him harm or hurt him. And I think whatever one's job is, one does not you don't need to be a pastor to appreciate this, that at a certain point, we take stock of the relationships in our life, and he couches them in terms of ministry. But it, it's sort of a looking back moment for Paul in some ways, and that he shares that with Timothy and through Timothy to the church is, I think— you know, very interesting that he he kind of lays out this struggle. That yeah, in some cases the, these people it went really well and they matter to me. In other cases, that person left me and that person did harm to me. And I, I just I think it's a very interesting moment of introspection. And I I think we can pretty easily connect. The ideas of this passage, with the ideas we saw yesterday of a man reflecting on his end being near, and it, to me, that gives it uh, that that gives it some um, depth and makes it kind of interesting.
1: Uh, I once had a professor say uh, that we underestimate uh, how much the church relied upon the technology of its day for the distribution of the gospel, and they went on to make the argument that we underestimate the influence of the Roman roads, uh, the kind of transportation that was made possible in the days immediately surrounding and after Jesus's life. And I think this letter maybe does illustrate that, Clint. I mean, just look at all of the comings and goings named here. You know, get Mark, bring him. He's useful. I sent a ticket to... uh, Ephesus um, but you bring the cloak that I left um, you know there there's all of these people moving and there's all these different cities being connected that is in many ways the arteries of the gospel this is Paul uh, utilizing the ability to get from one place to the other the ability to send letters uh, that can get there in a reasonable amount of time and boats that can get you safely from one harbor to another I mean this is clearly, a very well connected movement with bases in lots of different places and that is what ultimately we can all trace our theological heritage back to right i mean it it all started with the men and women of these communities and paul and these leaders literally traveling and sharing in different places and so Let's just you know note that there's a lot of work and logistics that went into the ministry uh, that Paul brought to the Gentile world, and and as those who live as Gentile Christians, we may be quick to take that for granted. But I mean, the truth is, we see here that in just a small amount of housekeeping, I mean, there's obviously a lot of hands at work. And if you want to make that practical, this is not the point of the text, but if you want to make that practical, I mean, that happens in every church, in every place, throughout all time. I mean, there's always interconnected work, things that happen behind the scenes, people who go from here to there, you know. So that's the that's the nature of community, and we see it explicitly here in the text.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, you could read this as, maybe Paul complaining. You could read this as as gossip. You could put a negative spin on this, but I think it helps to remember, to keep in mind that Paul is writing to the church for the good of the church. And so, yes, Paul is airing some grievances, but I think he does that, and I think he names these names knowing that this letter will be read and so that the church needs to be on guard against Demas against Alexander against you know you know these he this letter has been steeped in false teachers and those who mislead people and those who don't lead with character and those who lead others astray and I, I think you know as we get to the end here he really makes that clear in a couple cases saying this person can't be trusted this person can Went against the grain and harmed me. This person, you know, y- you shouldn't listen to them. And we've seen a, we've seen glimpses of that in this letter. Uh, but I think it's probably not surprising that he does a, that a little more extensively. And and the flip side is also true, Michael. This person has been great. Yeah. This person has helped me. This person is is you know a wonderful addition to my ministry. So uh, I think it helps. Maybe you you could read this as just Paul's personal list of pros and cons, but I think it's maybe helpful to remember that Paul is also giving that information to the church that he has founded and cares about in the hopes that they'll take it seriously.
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Clint. Uh, Clearly, on one hand, Paul gets nowhere close to the complaints that the psalmist has, so let's just admit that Sure, there's a lot... Uh, more sharp critiques in the Bible than what you're going to find here in 2 Timothy. Another thing I want to point out, though, is we shouldn't be shocked, really. I've never thought of it this way, but we shouldn't be shocked when Paul spends a substantial amount of time this letter talking about suffering and persecution and the the troubles and, and struggle of being Christian and Christian leadership we shouldn't be surprised when he gets to the end of a letter and he actually has names to attach to that experience. I mean, he he has someone by the name of Alexander who did him great harm, who he looks at that relationship and says, it was painful, it was not good, it did not end in a in a positive way. In fact, Paul says you know the Lord's going to deal with his deeds which is a very scriptural way to understand what how we love our neighbor and yet realize that the the harm done to us is not justified harm but it, it's interesting I think Clint just to see like yes on one hand theologically we might understand yes suffering's a part of life but Paul actually had it I mean he can he could literally speak to it in some cases it was names and and that shouldn't surprise us. It It's a part of the scripture. It's a part of his own life and his own experience. Yes, he stands as a lion of the faith, but he was also just a man. And we see that
0: here in the in the scriptures. Yeah, Paul understands it's part of his calling to protect the church. And that means protecting it even from named individuals who he thinks are dangerous to it. And so, you know, that's what he says, you must not listen to him. Uh, so... I think you know, th- those are not the best parts of a pastor's work, and certainly the church, but they are sometimes necessary, and, and Paul definitely feels it necessary in that context.
1: Well, we're nearing the end. I uh, hope that you've uh, heard something in this today. We will certainly be coming to the end of 2 uh, Timothy next week. So we hope that this week's been encouraging. We look forward to seeing you on Monday.
0: Thanks, everybody.